<laughs> I don't really know how to begin this episode. I'm paddling away from my campsite somewhere along the uh, coastline of Loch Torren. I won't say where it is because of the story I'm about to tell, but um, yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> 11.30 in the morning on a Sunday. Uh, the weather's all right. It's not raining. There's a force three breeze blowing across the loch from southwestish, southish mainly, I think. So um, that's not going to prove much of a problem for me today. So <clears throat> where do I begin then? <clears throat> well, I woke up this morning feeling incredibly low. My spirit was way down. I'd kind of felt it coming on last night I think a bit I was missing home um, although I'd had an incredible day yesterday exploring up at Loch Torridon I um, yeah I just uh, I just slumped last night and then this morning I woke up feeling really defeated for some reason yeah, I just um, found no energy within me to get myself organized and start packing for the day no uh, excitement for the day no desire to to get on the water and, and kayak at all i felt weary maybe even exhausted physically and mentally yeah just just very very low so i phoned my wife and we had a long chat and it was nice to hear her voice and we talked about whether i should just paddle today just to keep myself active or take a day off and I was tussling with what to do really my uh, work hard ethic was telling me to get on the water and stop stop moaning make the most of this good weather while I've got it and then the kind compassionate part of me was saying you've been paddling for five days solid why not take a day off and just um, just catch up with a few things that you know you need to catch up with in the tent and I mulled that over over another cup of coffee and decided to take a day off which um, we suddenly felt very very good we felt okay with that so I was making a cup of tea sitting beside the tent looking at the view when I heard a voice from behind me in the trees up a bit, up the slope shouting and I was, couldn't distinguish what the words were I couldn't hear what the person was saying and at first I wondered if it was just somebody shouting for a dog or, you know, the landowner shouting to another person. Uh, the shouting persisted again. So I looked around and saw a figure in, a, in green dungarees, boiler suit rather, looking down from a field behind the wood where I was camping. He beckoned to me, so I went and my hearing isn't great and I couldn't distinguish what he was saying over the noise of a stream. So he was getting even more irritated with me as I walked up saying, and I kept saying, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. So I climbed up the slope towards him and he said, you've got to go, I don't want you on my land. And I attempted to ask him, you know, what the reason was, you know, and assure him that I wasn't creating any damage or being disrespectful, but he wasn't having any of it. Um, and then another figure appeared and it was a young man who I presume was his son, who didn't take part in the remonstration, but uh, was looking uh, very disapprovingly at me. And I just said, yeah, okay, I'm sorry, I, I, you know, I'll go and just started walking back. And then another voice shouted, shouted at me and it was a woman's voice. And, um, and she was almost halfway down the hill towards me, telling me to be off, 
be off with you, get off my property, be off with you, she was saying to me. And I lost my cool a bit then and I said, well, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm going and there's no need to be rude. And, and she just shooed me away with her hand. Uh, there, there, the, the, the older chap in the boiler suit kept saying to me, this is my croft and I don't want you on my croft. Uh, they were Scottish, they weren't English. And my guess is that they've lived here all their lives. I mean, they seemed, they seemed to me to be genuine crofters. You know, they didn't seem to be folks who'd come in and bought the croft and were being, feeling particularly protective about it. So I, uh, I just, my spirits just went right down into my, my Wellington boots. And I very morosely started packing up. I wasn't even angry. I just um, felt even more defeated, I think. And um, it didn't take me long to pack up. I'm so organized now. Um, you know, my tent was in a bit of a mess because, <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was like a day off to, for me. And I kind of opened up dry bags to dry things out and um, give things an airing. But within a half an hour, I had everything packed away and carried my boat down to the shore and loaded the boat up. <laughs> and quite, uh, quite ironically and quite bizarrely, I, um, I packed the boat in the most efficient way that I've ever packed it. For some reason, I tried out a new system uh, for my, my dry bags in the forward compartment and um, it gave me a huge amount of room, left a huge amount of room in the forward compartment. So much so that, you know, I've <laughs> I could load it up with a, a couple of weeks worth, well, no, a week's worth of food. It's that spacious now. And stone compartment, you know, with uh, with all the food I bought and shield egg, you know, it was um, well packed as well. And there was even space left over in there too. So <laughs> out of the ad adverse conditions, I'd come up with a, a really pleasing outcome in that my, my packing skills were were really efficient. <laughs> anyway, so I'm now on the water. I have no plan for today. I don't know where I'm going to go, where I'm going to end up, where I'm going to camp. The wind is on my back, which is lovely. And um, the sea is ruffled, but it's not, there are no white caps. And so I'll just plod on really. I'll just maybe do 10 miles and then the first wild campsite that I come to, I will stop. So there's two aspects really to the story. One is the mood, my low mood that I woke with this morning and you know how I how I'm coping with that. And then of course the the issue of being moved on. I'll uh, I'll talk about the, the issue of being moved on first because um, that's most present in my mind right now. In Scotland we have uh, it enshrined in our legislation in law, Scottish law, um, a freedom to roam and um, and that includes camping for up to two nights in one spot in wild land or countryside. Now, the legislation is based on good practice on, on both parties. So on the landowners, on understanding that we, ha we the, the campers or the, the walkers and the kayakers have, have a, a right enshrined in law to, to access the outdoors. And then on our responsibility is, is responsible access to respect the land that we're traveling through, the people who own the land, the people who make a living off the land, and not to, um, yeah, not to, to put a fine, to put it finely, I guess, not to tear the ring out of it, as I would say. 
you know, to, to um, make a mockery of the law. And I know in my practice, personally, that I am incredibly respectful. I, I struggled to find a campsite yesterday because a lot of the, the bays now where it is possible to camp have existing, either have existing properties or have properties that have been newly built. And so I, I, I rarely, if ever, will camp in, right in front of somebody's property even if it's on obviously shoreline, wild land that um, is, is not used as part of somebody's garden or um, as pasture. So I chose this spot yesterday because it was in the corner of a bay in a woodland that um, was unfenced. And that's another thing I don't do is I never climb a fence to, f to create camp. If there's a fence, then I will not camp in the field that is fenced off. I will always camp, even even if it's really uncomfortable, I will camp outside of a fenced off area because I know that the fence is there for a reason and it's a, it's a delineate, 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 uh, it delineates, it's a delineation, I guess, for somebody's property. And it's sadly, it seems to me, increasingly that um, land is being fenced right up to the water's edge um, here in Scotland. I've noticed that in the years that I've been kayaking, that um, landowners are fencing their properties off right up to the water's edge. So I won't climb a fence. So this, this piece of land that I camped on was in a wood. I found um, a square place, a flat place amongst uh, moss-covered boulders that was just the right size for my tent, and I put my tent up. And I was out of sight of all the buildings that were that made up the hamlet that um, existed on the hillside behind me. So I, I wasn't in the view of anybody uh, from their house. I could I could see that nobody could see me. I never light fires, so I don't light a fire, even though there's loads of dry wood around. And I, I, um, I well, I just don't I just don't light fires. And when I go to the toilet, I go below the waterline, high watermark, and so my remains. Toiletry remains are washed away and broken up by the sea, so I don't contaminate anybody's land or leave anything behind on the land. And I never use toilet paper either. I use seaweed or I might use moss. Both of those clean me very, very efficiently and um, work well for me. And I'm sensitive about uh, my toiletry. Again, I don't go in full view of anybody or, you know, I'll be discreet. And yes, I, you know, I'm I know that my toilet remains are taken away by the sea and broken up very, very quickly and uh, don't pollute the, the coastline. And then uh, at the end of my stay, I, uh, I scour my spot for any bits of rubbish. And I have a rubbish bag which sits in the corner of my tent. And I carry this with me and um, dispose of it when I can in, uh, in, a, in a rubbish bin. Um, I also attempt to recycle the glass if possible, tin cans that I use if I see a recycling point. But I never leave any rubbish behind. I don't tuck anything behind boulders or, you know, even if it's a s small piece of wrapping or a tea bag, you know, I don't think, oh, that will degrade. I always pick it up and um, put it in my bag and carry it away with me. Uh, even my coffee grounds, you know, I, I drink real coffee and, and so my coffee grounds, I, you know, once, once I've used them, I'll scatter them so I don't leave a pile of coffee grounds as an unsightly eyesore. So the only evidence of my passing through or being there would be the, the flattened area where I've slept. You know, the tent impression that will grow back. Um, I don't destroy any vegetation to create a space to camp. You know, I don't hack away trees or little bushes or pull up ferns. If there's 
if there's not a suitable spot, then I either move on or, you know, I search high and low until I find a suitable spot, which is what I normally do. It hasn't happened yet, but I've, I also carry a bivy bag, uh, which is a waterproof outer bag, which I can put my sleeping bag in. So if there's no place for me to have my tent, it is possible for me to sleep out overnight, even if the weather's inclement, inclement um, to stay dry and just and just sleep out in my bivy bag. And um, that's a that's a last resort if you know I just can't find anywhere to camp. So it's disappointing. I can understand. I can understand people's sense of ownership and um, their desire for privacy. Um, I was disappointed that uh, I've been moved on. I, I um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that really. I'm not angry. I'm, you know, I'm kind of frustrated really because I was looking forward to a nice day off. But now that I'm on the water, I'm kind of getting back into the groove very easily. It's uh, quite natural for me to be paddling. Yeah, I feel sad that uh, that after all the kindness I've received, that there were there are moments and still people who dislike other people really I guess that's that's the problem they obviously took a dislike to me being there um, they weren't prepared to come down and meet me and get to know me they were shouting at me from the top of the hill it was therefore immediately uh, kind of confrontational <laughs> you know it was, um, the power differential was differential was um, was apparent I mean they they were there on the upper ground I was down on the lower ground you know they were the ones who obviously owned the property and were exercising their ownership right to, you know, to evict me from their land, and um, and I went. You know, I wasn't going to argue the law with them, or you know, I did try and plead my case. I, you know, I did say I'm paddling around Scotland, and I'd been paddling for five days, and I was just taking a day off. Would it be okay just to sit quietly? And you know, the chap began to waver. To be honest, you know, he he then started saying things like, "Well, don't drink the water from our burn because it comes past the house." And then, you know, and then followed it up, well, I'd rather you left. So I, I, I just knew that, you know, it was better for me to go. And anyway, even, even if he had been mollified and um, had begrudgingly allowed me to stay another night, I don't think I'd have been entirely comfortable for the rest of the day, to be honest. Um, it wouldn't have been a relaxing period of time off the water. So to be truthful, you know, <laughs> it's better that I've moved on from that point of view. Yeah, so... It's the second time on this trip that uh, I've been asked to move on. Now, the first time was in the Clyde in Loch Goyle. Uh, similarly, uh, a landowner there asked me to to move, but he, once he, you know, once he chatted to me and I told him about my trip and what I was doing, he uh, he calmed down, literally calmed down, because he was he was quite irate. He literally calmed down and became pretty friendly and and uh, just asked me to be gone in the morning and um, and so I stayed uh, it was quite late and because it was autumn it was getting dark and I think he realized as well that you know to ask me to pack up and move on meant that I would have been paddling away in the, in the gloom to find another camp spot but this was different of course you know it's it was uh, mid-morning and um, the weather's a lot nicer now so there we are so I'm on the water and I've had this incident and I think um, what I'm taking from it, and I was thinking about this as I was packing, but what I'm taking from it is, um, it, it's actually quite a powerful lesson for me. You know, that um, there will always be people in my, my life who will not like me. You know, they will take a dislike to me, or they will judge me on, on, 
on whatever appearance I present myself as. And, um, and I have to accept that and not let that get beneath my skin, but just to, to realize that not everybody is, is going to be welcoming and not everybody looks at strangers in the way that uh, I've been experiencing on this journey, which is 99.9% .9 of the time with great fondness and wonderful humanity and kindness and warmth. You know, there, there are people who, who view itinerants with suspicion. And I am, at the moment, an itinerant. You know, I'm, uh, they don't know me, they don't know my, about my story. They know nothing about my journey. Um, the reasons for my journey, they just see me as somebody who turned up last night, unannounced, was camping on their land, looking like he was intending to stay another night, and they didn't want me there. And um, they decided to move me on. And then they did that without wanting to get to know me or to find out more about my journey. And I think that's, that's what happens in society. We, we have prejudices and, um, yeah, sadly, I need to live with those. And it's true with my mental health as well, that not everybody is going to be forgiving of my mental health. I mean, I have experienced, you know, I'm pretty certain of it, I've experienced discrimination on the grounds of mental health when I um, have applied for jobs. Uh, it's never been given as an example of why the job wouldn't be given to me, but, um, you know, I've always been very open in my job applications in the past, and uh, I haven't been invited for interview, but, or during my interview, I talked about it and then haven't subs uh, subsequently not been offered a job or been offered a job and then when once when they found out about my health then the job was uh, removed on the grounds that um, or something else or other I can't remember what it was and uh, yeah thankfully I don't have to <laughs> to face that now because I'm not in the job market anymore I'm forging my own path and um, yeah so I don't have to to face those those dilemmas whether to um, disclose my mental health struggles or not so then this takes me back to the other point then to you know my mood and and what I'm doing about that well the first thing I'm I check out with myself is it just is it just a low aloneness you know like feeling I can't be asked today you know it's, is it is it just a, a kind of like an everyday feeling something that everybody gets or is it is it a sign of of something darker within me uh, you know a building dose of depression and this morning it felt deeper and darker I uh, for the first well for the first time in ages really I think um, I had this um, this thought of just giving up <laughs> very very powerful feeling it was um, it was impelling really compelling yeah just sorry <laughs> I'm just uh, just trying to find the words yeah it was it was compelling and um, I didn't like it, you know, I was frightened by it, you know, as, um, you know, I want to complete this journey. I don't want to give up. And yet, in that moment this morning, and as I revisit it in my mind, it's that, uh, that, that notion is still there within me, that I'm tired, I'm tired of working hard to keep myself on the straight and level and to keep myself buoyant, keeping myself safe. I'm feeling exhausted by constantly reminding myself to be present and not to to be depressed, I suppose. And I just, yeah, all I wanted to do was 
was to go home and put everything away in the cupboards, sit in my usual spot on the sofa in our sitting room and mindlessly watch YouTube films about people canoeing in Canada, which I love to do, or archaeology videos, or people who metal detect, or people who pan for gold. Those are the kind of things that I, I wire away my hours with when I don't feel like I've got anything better to do. And the, and, and the pull for that to be realised is, is very, very strong. And it's, it's similar to how I've, I experience thinking about suicide, I suppose. It's a, it's a very strong, compelling thought process and feeling within me. And um, that sense of exhaustion about that goes with it is, um, is palpable. I'm I'm right there right now, you know, my eyes feel heavy, my body feels tired, my mind, my mind is exhausted. Um, And I I think I'm tired of being chipper on uh, social media, I'm tired of presenting myself as a happy chappy. This morning I felt very tearful. I didn't, I haven't cried this morning, but I do feel tearful. You know, there is raw, tearful emotion within me. And I feel foolish as well, you know. I feel foolish for for feeling this way or being like this. Um, a sense of weakness and stupidity. So that's uh, that's that's the story today, really. And uh, I've been impelled onto the water when I really didn't want to be. There's very little I can do about it, you know. I've, I just just got to dig deep into my inner resources and and make the day happen. I'm not at risk of harm. I'm not going to uh, consider suicide today. I will not harm myself in any way. I will not take any unrisk, uh, unnecessary risks. The sea state and the conditions, the weather conditions are benign. So I'm not at risk from, you know, from those at all. The coastline is Torridonian in, in, in nature, so it is inhospitable in terms of being able to make a ready landing and camp. But it's not impossible. I mean, I can find somewhere. And I can find somewhere pretty wild, I would think. So, uh, yeah, I'll just keep going. And, you know, I've prepared myself for being on the water. But, you know, before I left, I, um, I made a flask up of hot, you know, hot drink. Because I know that's important to have with me. And um, I've got my food in my bag. It's not like I've just jumped in my boat and, and, and got on the water without preparing myself. I've gone through all the things that I normally do to have a comfortable and safe day on the water, even though I felt, uh, you know, I was under pressure to, to vacate the property. So there we are. So that's, I guess that's this episode. It's just a, a bit of a story and um, maybe a little bit of a rant, I guess, in some respects. I did tweet about it, maybe I shouldn't have done, and uh, I haven't looked at what the replies are yet. Um, 
I mean, I did tweet about my, my low mood and I did put it up on Facebook and I put it up on Instagram and I've received so many wonderful, generous, compassionate responses regarding, you know, me taking care of myself and, and you know, so many messages or words of, of inspiration, really, which I find incredibly helpful and very, very kind as well. You know, people don't need to, to say what they do. I mean, it's, uh, it's really lovely of folks to, um, to say what, what they do. Very, very generous. Aye. The trick now is for me to bring myself into this moment, back into the present and not, not dwell on what has occurred and to look around me and take it all in because I doubt if I'll be here again anytime soon. Just the nature of the, the beast, really, and there's so much of Scotland to explore. I'm not sure whether I'll be paddling in Loch Tarden anytime soon again. So it'd be nice just to absorb the landscape I'm passing. And just saying that has helped because I am. I'm gazing around me now and uh, I'm looking at the, the rough ground and the rocky slopes, the outcrops. There's a wee cottage on its own, which can only obviously be ex accessed by foot or by boat. Another one of those off-grid properties that I would love to, to one day own and live in, <laughs> even though I'm advancing in years. So this journey has been incredibly rich, not only from the innumerable, innumerable wonderful highs and experiences, but also the, the difficulties as well. And uh, it's often through the difficulties that uh, the richest learning occurs, I think. And I'll certainly, yeah, I'll certainly reflect on this moment as, as a moment where I was tested and uh, came through. And uh, that will be useful for the future. It really is very lovely out here, to be honest. <laughs> you know, okay. yeah. I'm very, very lucky to be able to do this and have this opportunity. Well then, folks, um, thank you very much for listening to this episode. And um, I, hope, uh, I hope it went down well <laughs> and that uh, you found it uh, interesting and maybe even enjoyable. And uh, if you haven't subscribed, then please subscribe. Whatever podcast uh, service you, you choose to follow. And um, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. So take care. Bye.